Welcome to the Marketing Trench Warfare Podcast. Art and Tony are two marketers who talk about the daily battle to build a brand, grow careers, innovate, and learn. Well, hello there. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm Tony Kavicki. Pretty Coolidge. I love how consistent our intros have been for 119 yeah. episodes, Tony. <laughs> Well, you're wearing a Star Wars shirt today, so do we have special guest RDD2? No, no, RDD2 is is not a a guest today, but he could be in the future. That's right. (laughs) It would be great to interview him because all it would be would be beeps and bops, and then it would be kind of like choose your own adventure. Like just ask yourself, what's the advice I needed for marketing today? And then it would be yours. So, So if HubSpot creates a new AI based on our last podcast episode where they analyze the, all of the emails together for insights in your instance, could they call it the, the RDD2 AI? Like, would you feel honored or would you feel Uh, pilloried by that? I I think that'd be okay. You know, again, as we established in my last episode, I'm not, I'm not beyond humble flexing. So, you know, getting an AI (laughs) bot named after myself in some way, shape or form, uh, definitely Some wouldn't deri- be bad. Derivative Some derivative. Way. It's okay. I could handle it. I'd okay. be fine. <laughs> Great. Wait, R- but RD, R- would RDD2 have hands? He just that have is, levers, right? That I guess it would just be levers, yeah. But he also yeah. would always have energy. Like, I don't think we ever see R2D2 <laughs> take a break. Like, do we? Do we ever see him, like, resting? Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because Luke Skywalker restored R2D2. That's true, but it wasn't that. Well, I guess that counts. But R R two D two and R D D two are not necessarily the same. Not are necessarily. They? No, they're they're they don't they're, share a common origin story. No, they don't. No, it's not a galaxy okay. far, far away. The last time I checked, I mean, Florida is a very unique place, but not quite a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah, it's a swamp planet and Florida. There you go. <laughs> there we go. And now all the Star Wars fans are either very engaged with this week's episode or they're like, come on, guys. What in the world are you going to talk about? There are some Star Wars movies that have trench warfare in them. So there are. It is tangentially related as well. That's right. Uh, there we go. Actually, World War One, they invented gas masks. So kind of the origin story for Darth Vader at that point, I guess. It is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the trenches today. I thought that we could start out the real marketing section of this with a pro tip for HubSpot on fallback copy. This is when you have a version of your email and based on some list or characteristic, you can have a different version of your email. Most popularly in HubSpot, I think this is you have an email that says, hello, Mr. Coolidge. But if I don't know your name is Mr. Coolidge, I can say hello, friend, or hello, patriotic American, or hello, consumer of Diet Coke, or whatever we want to say, right? And, uh, Artie, HubSpot does not have the guardrails that you think it does. Or I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've encountered this. I should say HubSpot does not have the guardrails that new users of HubSpot assume it has. Okay. Because tell. it will allow you to have multiple of these lists to have fallback options for, right? So 
you could build it so that you have, if we know their first and last name, yes. we call them Mr. Coolidge. If we sure. don't know their their gender or their last name, mm-hmm. but we know their first name, we say, hello, Artie. Yes. If we don't know any of that information, we just say, hello, friend. Yes. And you can have that stack of personalization in HubSpot. It doesn't have any rank order value. Wait a minute. So it's not based on order? Right. So if you have those one, two, three, they do not, they do not stack. So So if I set those three things up, it it does the first one and it doesn't do the second one. If even if you have the second one put in there. (laughs) Really? I learned this by experience. So anyway. What you have to do if you want to have three versions mm-hmm. is create one. Like, I, I guess like an example that I'm thinking of right now is when you're you're doing hello friend versus hello Mr. Coolidge. Sure. And then if I know what state you're in, I'm going to have that state called out in the body of the email. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know what state you're in, I'm going to have a different version that just has generic like sure. in your state, right? Yeah. So for the if I want to do though that personalization and essentially create three versions, what I have to do is I have to have uh, a HubSpot personalization for first name or, or for name salutation, unknown name, and have uh, your state specific in the body of the email. Then create a suppression list for all of the contacts that I don't know the state for. So that they don't get the email that has a specific state. Oh my word! Then create a clone of the email, just for make the state generic. Only send it to the people who, who don't have a known state, and then make a, you know, a known name version and an unknown name version for the site. So in other words, what what you're saying is to try to make this because someone might be listening to this driving in the car and they're like, wait a minute, I'm completely lost here. What is this? <laughs> what what you're saying is if you're trying to do one email in HubSpot that utilizes all that smart tech and all of the data that you have collected in your CRM on a contact to create multiple versions like you might in direct mail. You mm-hmm. can't rely on just one email to do it. You're going to need multiple versions of the email to go against lists and suppression lists, right? Respectfully, yeah. that reflect the particular variants that you need because there's no way to rank order if then, then this, if not, then that. It's just going to go Correct. with whatever the first thing is. Yes. And the official wow. HubSpot workaround for this is to create a template that has multiple text body things in there, right? Yeah. And that sounds that sounds great. Like if you have an email that you're going to repeat this exactly every single sure. time, maybe that works. But if the personalization for state and the personalization for name are in different order in some emails or some have personalization for state and some has personalization for like interest based or whatever, mm-hmm. you you just can't have these templates. Uh, that work every time. So it's a frustrating thing, but it's a pro tip because I've seen people multiple times now think, oh, because HubSpot lets me stack these things, I can have multiple versions of the personalization. Not true. Look at that. Well, Tony, you just taught me something. 
I mean, I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, I'm pretty basic. I'm just doing first name or friend. Like, that's pretty, that's what we're doing most of the time. But mm-hmm. to know this about the limitations is incredibly helpful. And we'd love to hear how this helps you guys out. If you guys use HubSpot, what what personalization fields do you typically use? You know, are you someone who just sticks to first name or do you like to get all extreme <laughs> personalization with like city and state and Multiple. how many resources you've done from, you know, you've purchased from us or whatever. Shoot us an email, marketingtrenchwarfare at gmail.com. Let us know what you do. Now, Tony, yeah. you and I like metrics. We love mm-hmm. metrics. We talk about metrics all the time. I'm actually more English than this because I drive my car in miles per hour. But yes, I, I accept the the necessity for metrics. In fact, dare we say we've rarely met a metric we haven't liked. Huh? Right? There you go. Uh, all of those lovers of puns out there, you're welcome. But Tony, you... Yeah, yeah, we met here. Rick yesterday. That's right. <laughs> It just gets better. Uh, you had a note here that you wanted to talk about when metrics are bad. So what yeah. made, what made a metric get cold this Christmas? I, I saw uh, an exchange on LinkedIn that I thought was fun. And uh, this is Salvatore Sal Pietro. He's the chief experience officer at Fundraise Up, which is a donation platform. Oh, yes. He says, the average gift size or average order value is a bad Flawed and incorrect metric for nonprofits to use in individual fundraising. Prove me wrong. Well, Jeff Giddens, president of Next After, didn't take him up on proving him wrong. He took him up on validating what he said. And Jeff says, if revenue is going up and average gift is going down, congrats, you're growing. Exactly. If revenue is going up and average gift is actually imploding and gift frequency is going up, congrats, you're growing a recurring gift program. Yep. Yep. End quote. And what's great about this already is like, this is true. Like if your bonus was based on average gift size, you would have an incentive to not acquire new donors. Exactly. In fact, you would have an incentive to say, everyone who donated less than 50 bucks last year, don't email them this year. Don't exactly. remind them to donate. We'll have, we'll have 50% fewer donors, but the average gift will be way higher. Exactly. No, Tony, it's so true. This is one of those metrics that, I feel like is a bad influence from the sales world. Like mm-hmm. from like people just, it's a good sales people. metric. It's a good sales metric, but and even there, I would say some of these same flaws apply, right? Because again, your average order value, right? That shouldn't be your only be all and end all. If you're, if you're selling widgets, right? That's still going to be a problem. But on the donor nonprofit spaces is especially problematic because we know, and we've seen this over and over validated in studies, whether it's by Virtuous or Raised Donors or Next After. Nonprofits with recurring giving programs that are growing are in a much healthier place than nonprofits that aren't in that place. Even though we know that that recurring gift is going to be way lower on average, right? Like people aren't, if your average donation to your, your organization is 60 bucks on the main donation page, your monthly gift is probably going to be closer to 30 bucks because that's what people think, right? A dollar a day. That's just instinctual. But you'll be making so much more revenue and that donor is going to be on the file so much longer. They're going to be more engaged. Like it's all a win. But yet I have rarely been in a meeting as a marketer or a fundraiser where average gift isn't one of the first things talked about. Well, what's our average mm-hmm. gift? Is it trending up? Is it trending down? And it's like, but what about our gift frequency? Like that's something mm-hmm. that until recently, I didn't see many 
fundraisers or marketers talking about nearly as much as average gift, right? Or or conversion rate. Like, you know, and and we've talked about this before, Tony, but it probably bears repeating here that conversion rate is a great metric, right? But it can also go bad because you shouldn't just solve for conversion rate when it comes to raising your donor or your customer. If you're trying to compel, like propel people, not compel, propel (laughs) people (laughs) into becoming a subscription customer, if you're a a for-profit or a recurring donor as a nonprofit, chances are because of the higher mental friction of that commitment level, you're Mm -hmm. going to be decreasing your conversion rate, right? It's going to be a harder sell. But yeah. that doesn't mean you've done a wrong thing. It doesn't mean you you shouldn't be doing that, right? Because your lifetime revenue is going to be so much higher. And so I think what this little this little exchange between Sal and Jeff on Twitter is a great reminder of is that we need to take a holistic picture into account every time we're looking at our metrics and ask ourselves what are the highest end goals for us in this quarter? in this fiscal year and how are each of these metrics serving those goals? Because otherwise we can get into these, these things where we're chasing the wrong rabbit and then we just end up tripping over ourselves and sacrificing money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And speaking about these generals giving us advice, I'm going to give some advice to a general right now. Okay. If you search for the marketing manifesto of the Marketing Trench Warfare podcast on Google, you will get our website. If you search for the 10 principles of responsive nonprofits, which is the keystone of Gabe Cooper's responsive fundraising book, okay. there is no content marketing that shows up on the first page of Google for that. Really? And so I was like, we're going to talk about this on the podcast today. I should find a link from Virtuous that we can provide to people to give them an overview of the 10 principles of responsive nonprofits. And I don't have such a link already. Tony, that's crazy. So if if Virtuous is is listening to this podcast, that's a free tip from Artie and Tony, is create a download or a blog post or something that talks about the 10 principles of responsive nonprofits. Maybe they already have one, in which case my tip is figure out why that's not optimized for SEO and not showing up. Exactly. Uh, because they have they have other things by Gabe Cooper that show up for that search term that's not the actual 10 principles of responsive nonprofits. So uh, that that's my segue into <laughs> saying uh, I've recently read Gabe Cooper's book, Responsive Fundraising. I still and, need to read it. I think I got it okay. for free at the same conference you got yours at. Yeah. I, I had wanted to read it before then, but actually getting a free copy of it motivated me to get it done. <laughs> so that's that's what I take out. My takeaway for this book already is this book is a great intro to responsive fundraising, modern marketing for nonprofits, if you're not very familiar with it. And I think the way Gabe wrote it is he's writing it to association executives that might be more Gen X or boomer and don't get some of these principles or they're not um, living through digital transformation, right? And so that's what I'm saying. Like if if you have more experience, you're going to feel like you've heard some of this stuff before or 
if you've like read Stratechery, Ben Thompson's blog or something like that, you're yeah, like, exactly. yeah, I, I've heard in detail about digital transformation and smartphones and the collapse <laughs> of geography and the ability to, to do all these things. So, so yeah, what I say though, is like, this is a great book if you're starting out in fundraising, or it's a great book if you're like, oh, we finally realized like we need to get into digital marketing. We need to get into making our brand be about the value we're providing to individual donors, even at scale, like this could be a great book for, for getting you there. Um, the reason why I say like, it, it's kind of more of an intro thing is like, there's very common uh, tropes in this. My favorite is the blockbuster versus Netflix. He uses that as a extended oh yes. narrative there. And if you've been in marketing at all, you've heard about how Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix. They passed up on it. And of course, Netflix yes. has exploded because of all of these digital transformation trends, which is why we should do digital marketing. It, it's, the it's funny, funny thing for me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, well, was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx there. I know. Okay, we just on the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, growing up for me, I was not really fam- all that familiar with Blockbuster uh-huh. because our local Blockbuster had the bee burnt out for like five years oh my and so word. as a kid riding <laughs> in the back of the van to go get vhs rentals i always thought that we were headed to lockbuster the locksmith uh, company that sells movies <laughs> lockbusters <laughs> we pulled in the lockbuster there That's we go hilarious. i read the sign on the marquee of the strip mall i did not read the sign on the door because i was not that tall but uh yeah that's hilarious that's i feel like every generation what i was going to say in response to the netflix versus blockbuster thing is every generation i think has its go-to example of bad marketing decision don't repeat it right because like Mm -hmm. for a long time there was the story about coca-cola and pepsi when way back when coca-cola had the opportunity to buy out pepsi and the the executives of coca-cola were like it's garbage who's gonna want it it's not gonna go anywhere right and mm-hmm. then you know right the executives at coca-cola around. were like people buy pepsi and then put it into their empty coke bottles and exactly <laughs> serve it or like, like our reading, brand is stronger or like reading what happened with sears and amazon right as amazon's well sears going. and amazon i think is 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 the same generation as the blockbuster versus it, it, it is right? it hasn't gotten nearly as much traction but i, I guess my point is we kind of mythologize mythologize these stories and we, mm-hmm. we, we're like, look at this quintessential example. And we, we look back and we're like, man, they made this big marketing thing fail, right? But the reality mm-hmm. is, I would wager we're often making the same kind of mistakes they did because, you know, the the, the, the human psychology, right, right. At, at running organizations and running nonprofits is no different now than it was then. So we have right. these examples. We, we also right. like to hear the stories of the big fails, right? Exactly. Like, like the fact that, was it Petco started Chewy? Yes. Is yes. not being mentioned in here, right? Like it's easier exactly. to say, look at this giant fail than to say, look at this this cool success. Right? Exactly. So Tony, there were 10, 10 principles of responsive nonprofits that mm-hmm. were highlighted in this book. What were Yeah, and all- I think these, I, to be clear, I think that that chapter is the best chapter in this book. And I think it's pretty helpful. So I wanted what, to discuss it. What were these principles? Yeah, um, and you can halt me if you think we want to talk about any in more detail. Sure. But number one, he says, build relationships with all donors. And the key thing here, this goes back to like what we were talking about with donor-centered fundraising a month or so ago. It's just like, don't think that you can only take the time to get to know donors who give you 
$100,000 or $10,000 or whatever, right? Like your CRM can help you communicate well with a $25 donor. Uh, exactly. Number two was embrace innovation, experimentation, and failure. This is the most closely aligned to the marketing manifesto sure. you and I talk about, Artie. We talk about always be learning, yes. disrupt yourself, etc. Uh, focus on earning people's trust. Uh, this is the saying. <laughs> he says, focus on every relationship thrives on trust and accountability. He didn't say trustability like you coined in the last episode. I'm telling you, trustability, it's a phrase that just needs to be used there. Maybe that's another I tip for Gabe. When, when we when our podcast has really arrived is, is when trustability is used in a in yes. presentation at Neo summit. Yes. That, that, we'll hear go. it at a marketing conference and we'll know we found a listener. So, but the other, the other segment into segue into next after with this one was Gabe says, own the mistakes that happen while you try to build better donor experiences and do more good in the world. End quote. And I was just like all of those emails from next after being like, and we forgot to put the link in here or, exactly. and we forgot to change the subject exactly. line. Remember, I think we talked about this um, like a year and a half ago. We were like, is, is Next After intentionally making mistakes in emails so that they can send resends? And of course, Next After contacted us and we we're like, no, this isn't this isn't what we're doing at all. But actually, those emails have performed pretty well for us. Exactly. <laughs> so, like it's it's one of those happy accidents that takes place. You know, it's not you can't. Too- but if 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 it was manufactured, you would lose people's trust. Exactly. But but being human about it actually gains people's trust. I don't know. Sign so, line there. Two, two things I want to pause here on just before we keep going down this list. The first one is building relationships with all donors. This is something that I, that when I think about what I want to do as a fundraiser in 2022, mm-hmm. that gets me most excited, which is really working to make our digital as high touch and interactive for the average donor as most mm-hmm. nonprofits, major donor prospecting is. So when you think in a nonprofit, like who is it that gets high touch, like shepherding and relationship? It's people who've donated several thousand dollars, right? And they're they're mm-hmm. there, right? But yeah. the donor who donated 150 bucks, right, can easily get missed, right, in that mm-hmm. kind of program because all they did was donate 150 bucks. But the reality yeah. is they might have the potential to donate far more than that, right? Yeah. They may be someone who really is aligned with the mission, right? But they're missed, yeah. right? And so I love mm-hmm. the phrase of all donors because I think as nonprofits, that's a challenge we need to give ourselves to make sure that we're actually cultivating at scale with everyone. The th- mm-hmm. the, going back to point three, though, on earning trust, you and I have ha- had an entire episode where we talked about how this idea of trust and how there's like a trust bank that our clients, our customers, our donors have that they we make mm-hmm. withdrawals from whenever we ask them to do something, whenever we give them a link, right. that sort of thing. Not Just, sponsored by Truist Bank. No, not sponsored at all. But like this is <laughs> this is literally like this is whenever someone opens an email, it's because mm-hmm. they're trusting us enough. Right? Yeah. They're curious. Did you lie to me to with that, that subject line? Did you make me think this was something different than what exactly. it was? Exactly. Make me think this was a and free this thing, is the but thing. you're trying to like yeah. nonprofits and because people don't think some pe- people don't argue with you like that, but that happens subconsciously. In it mind. totally does, and this is what ends up making or breaking a business. I think mm-hmm. more times than not is that trustability factor. Like yeah. I ordered this product from you, and you said it would be delivered now, and it wasn't. Right. 
Right. Like that is, and we talked about this before in the context of people think that doing your job well is how you build loyalty as a brand. When actually from a human psychology standpoint, people expect you to do your job well. Like you go to the dentist and the dentist doesn't pull the wrong tooth. You're not going to come home and be like, hey, honey, guess what? The dentist, they drilled the right one. Like, isn't that great? Like, you know, I was actually having a a conversation with with someone uh, yesterday where I said, like, I I went out of my way to thank someone for doing their job. And then I specifically said, but I'm not thanking you because you went above and beyond. I'm just thanking you because you did your job. Like, don't exactly don't think think too much of this. Well, that's the thing. uh, Which is a a horrible thing to say, but also like it's unusual. You got this done on time. right? Yes. Well, that's the thing is like. What surprises people, what makes you memorable for positive or negative effect as a brand is when you violate their expectations. All right. So when you violate their trust, right, they were trusting something to be delivered on time. They were trusting you to drill the right tooth as a dentist and they come home and they, you did the root canal on the wrong route. That's going to like, that's going to destroy the brand. Right. Or when you surprise them in the other way. Right. So this is where, when someone goes into Chick-fil-A for the first time, I found another way for us to reference mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. It's been a couple weeks, right? When someone goes to Chick-fil-A <laughs> No reference to Apple time, today yet, right? No, so, not yeah. yet. When you go to Chick-fil-A for the first time and they offer to grind fresh black pepper on your salad or they bring the food They've to your never table, offered me that. Just, you're going to the wrong What Chick-fil-A place. are you going to? Um, oh, right? man. Like, they're, what are they doing? They I've gone to like 50 Chick-fil-A's and they've never done that. They're surprising you as a customer. You had an expectation for a level of service that they've exceeded. And what happens when you exceed the person's expectation? It's a trigger that's going to make them loyal to your brand. So I mm-hmm. think, honestly, I would have made number three, focus on earning trust, probably number one. Um, if this is well, in any kind of rank order. Anyway. I, I think it's not. I think it's, okay. it's predicated on like, First off, you have to build relationships with all donors so that second, you can do all these other things. Makes sense. Okay. Right? Like, if you don't, if you're not embracing all donors, you don't have a big Fair enough, enough scale to do innovation <laughs> experiments. Right. But you shouldn't do experiments that undermine trust. Uh, number four here is understand generosity as social and individual. You and I have talked about this. We have a whole episode, if people want to go back and look at it, called Game Stonk Marketing. Yes. Just like this whole idea of like the meme wars where everyone went and, sh- and Use their uh, their diamond hands to send GameStop yes. stock to the moon, and you can have that kind of energy around people donating. That's what creating a goal and keeping people updated and having a nice progress bar does for people. Sure, right? Um, you can create this not just am I donating to this organization to accomplish something, but you're like I am donating and I'm donating alongside all these other people to accomplish this. Yes. Uh, number five, create good by breaking down silos. This just goes back to like, if you have to wait three weeks for your IT department to put up a new landing page for you, you're probably not going to be very efficient at A-B testing. Uh, number six, continuously adapt to new behaviors. And this means like, don't, don't uh, just make changes for the sake of change. But if... Most of your people are coming to your website on a mobile device and you're not mobile optimized. What are you doing? You better adapt to change. Number seven was say thank you three times for every ask of generosity. This is a I hard like one, that. Artie. 
this one I think is pushing nonprofits a lot. And it reading this one actually made me think. I was like, do hmm. I measure up here? And I'll confess, I think personally, the, the program I'm managing right now, we hit three thank yous for the first gift. We we definitely do that, right? We're thanking them three times before we ask for the next gift. I don't know how well we do on subsequent gifts or if it's a, a repeat donor. We might be closer to like one for one parity. Um, and I think a lot of nonprofits are like very much skewed even further than that. Oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, because number one, they don't have like a well thought out welcome series, nope. um, or they just don't think about cultivation at all. And like when we mean cultivation, we just mean sending something that shows someone the impact of their gift without necessarily asking them exactly. for more money, right? Exactly. Um, value motivational insights over behavioral ones. Um, this one is is saying, you know. There's a lot of signals that you get. You can pick up on these things. Um, the example that Gabe uses is like talking to a friend at a coffee shop. And she says her life has been a little crazy, but everything's great. And then you see like she has sunken, sunken dark circles under her eyes. And like yeah. she's spilling her coffee on herself or something, you know. Or yeah. actually, no. I look at the book again. She orders a coffee but doesn't even drink it is, is, is what Gabe says. You know, like... That's where you say, okay, there's body language to this that tells me there's a different motivation to the behavior that I'm seeing. We can do that for donors. And then 9 and 10, I guess, like, 9 and 10 for me, I was like, there were nine principles here. And, and you took the idea and you split it into two so you could get to a nice even 10. But number nine is believe that generosity is not transactional. And number 10 is know that amount doesn't reflect passion. This is what you and I have talked about before already on the mm -hmm. podcast. When Jesus talked about the widow's might. Yes. Uh, someone could be giving you $25 and they care way more about your organization than the person who gives $10,000. Exactly. I'm not saying that's always true, but it could be true. And you need to respect that $25 donor in that way. If we're talking about e-commerce, things like that, uh, it, I think it's similar to say, like, you have to value each individual customer, not necessarily just the, the wholesale person who's going to buy 10,000 things from you at once, right? Exactly. Um, if you think about this, like, this is where LuLaRoe went horribly wrong, um, where they, they started uh, ditching the small guy in favor of the big guy. Um, I watched that documentary. There's so many marketing insights from that. We'll Someday we'll talk about it, but already. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to highlight well, on this before we move on? I, I, I feel like there's so much. We could honestly do a podcast on each of these. I think they're they're all worth thinking deeply about. Um, but like just thinking about that saying thank you three times for every act of generosity. People yeah. often tell me, well, I don't want to ask donors for money as you're telling because I'll tell people you're not asking your donors for money enough. And they're like, what do you mean I'm not asking enough? I already hear all the time about how all I do is ask for money. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you don't understand me. You're not asking right. donors for money enough. And you're also not thanking them enough. And you're also not <laughs> cultivating a relationship enough. Basically, it's just not enough. We got to do more across the board, right? right. But this is mm -hmm. what happens is organizations 
who are for-profit or non-profit, everything is a nail and they're the hammer. So everything mm-hmm. is how do I sell or how do I make a donate get a donation? When the reality is their brand is way more than that. Apple yeah. gets that. Chick-fil-A gets that. Like this year with Chick-fil-A, they did this amazing thing to advertise come into Chick-fil-A in the holiday season. If you're a Chick-fil-A customer, you know the marvelous thing that is a Chick-fil-A peppermint milkshake, right? It's amazing, right? (laughs) You look forward to it every year. You mark it on your calendars. Well, this year, they created a heartwarming holiday short film animated. Well, I was going to say, the peppermint milkshake is anything but heartwarming. No, no, it's cold. It is brain freezing. Oh, it's amazing. Any climate. But here's the thing. (laughs) They created this beautiful animated film. After you watch the film, they invited you to share the magic of it with anyone you want. And with yourself. And you put your information in. So again, they're collecting data. You put the Oh, just like like last week we talked about. Yes, right? They put in the person you want to send it to. But they're asking for a physical mailing address. Why? Because Chick-fil-A isn't sending some easy peasy email with digital offer code no 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 chick-fil-a is sending a heartwarming christmas card in the snail mail to so, the person's so Artie, did mailbox you, with a gift did you, card did you, for a free milkshake did you put did you put my name in here did you, am i gonna be getting a, a no free tony you milkshake did, I, I gift did card from I, chick-fil-a I, thanks to Artie cooler i chose to send it to my wife instead so oh i, I put my own address in priorities twice. priorities but here's again this is the point right like chick-fil-a is giving away something right so they're cultivating but they're giving it away in a way that feels even more heartwarming, which is an actual Christmas card, like a beautiful Christmas mm-hmm. card in the mail, mm-hmm. which, by the way, meant that Chick-fil-A now knows the physical mailing address for all of these email addresses they already have on file, which means mm-hmm. they now know which local franchise needs to be sending advertisers and things like that out. Like, it's brilliant. Right, or they can send you emails that are more targeted to the local Chick-fil-A. Exactly. So I know we're out of time here, but I just want to say, like, we need to be thankful for our donors. And I think a lot of us are, but we need to let the donors in on the secret of how thankful we are for them. Because I think a lot of our donors don't realize how thankful we, in fact, are. And what better season to do that than this, the last days before Christmas? So, Tony and I hope you've enjoyed this. Hope it's been inspirational. Maybe you laughed a little, you cried a little. Tears of joy, only joy. Uh, we hope that this Advent Christmas season has been beautiful for you and your family. And we hope you'll check us back here at the Marketing Trench Warfare podcast. Until next time, I'm Marty Coolidge. I'm Tony Kavicki. And we will catch you friends later. Artie and Tony are nonprofit marketing directors. Views and opinions expressed on this podcast are as of date of recording, are independent of their employers, and are not to be used as investment or legal advice.